Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age. So parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Do you have teenagers... Are you at your wit's end trying to do something about your demotivated, underperforming, frustrating kid? I've certainly been there. I've got three teenagers myself. And my guest today, he just might have the cure for you. You see, he's figured out how to engage and motivate young adults. So what black magic is this, you may be wondering? Here's a hint. He doesn't resort to bribes or threats to take away the PS4 or PS5 if you're lucky enough to find one. Henry gets consistent results using these ingredients. Trust, love, openness, respect, and accountability. Now, that probably all sounds well and good, right? But the real question is, how? How do you do that? Well, in Henry's case, it's from lots of practice and experimentation. You see, Henry Dingle has worked with hundreds, maybe even thousands of teenagers and their parents over the past 20 years as a tutor, mentor, and coach. That's thousands of hours figuring out how to help teenagers succeed. And for parents, how to maintain their sanity, right? One graduate of his program, when asked how she overcame her personal challenges and learning difficulties to achieve the outstanding grades that she did, simply responded with, well, his name is Henry, and you know what? He made me believe in myself again. So that's what it's really all about. And today, you and I get to learn more about the methods behind the results from this extraordinary man. I'm super excited to welcome to the show today, Henry Dingle. Henry, good to have you, buddy. Beautiful to be here, Jerry. Yeah, thanks for the stellar intro. (laughs) Really nice to hear my life somewhat (laughs) reflected back to me in that way. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, you you certainly done a lot of amazing things and and being in your your Facebook group, you know, which is really how I I met you through a, a mutual acquaintance, Rocky who actually he and his son was on our podcast a, a short while ago, you know, when I was sharing with him where I was going with this podcast and sort of my mission in life, he's like, you know what, you need to connect with this Henry Dingle guy. I'm like, okay, sure. And, uh, you know, joined your group and yeah, just so many, um, insightful truth bombs that you keep sharing. Um, just things that keep challenging my way of thinking, whether it's around video games or just, you know, how to support my, my, my kids and, yeah, it's it's been a real a real treasure. So, looking forward to journeying with with that today with you some more. Thank you, thank you for those kind words about the group. I'm pleased it's been. Yeah, it's it's it really is a, an amazing amazing group. So, let's. I'd love to go back a little bit more. Though. I'm really curious. I don't know a lot about your your history. So, I imagine there was life before you know being a, a tutor and a, and a mentor. What Tell us a little bit about, uh, about Henry, about the earlier, earlier years. 
Well, a long time before. I mean, it's been 20 years or something of working with teenagers. So it's been a long time. But before, well, the tutoring and the teaching came with music. So when I left university, I, yeah, I mean, there's two ways of answering this. We could go back to like the age group that I teach now and what it was like for me then, which is definitely one part of me founding this business. And yeah, I'd, in the, I'd love to hear yeah, some of that. Yeah. Go there. Okay. Sure. So yeah, I work with 14 to 16 year olds. And to me, that is when life gets really interesting, both for the 14 to 16 year old and for their parents. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll vote for that. You'll appreciate that, Jerry, because you're kids are pa- all past that stage now is that right all three no are, all- i'm right in the, i'm right in the midst of that i've got two twin boys that just turned 14 and my daughter turned 16 in august so i'm i'm like all ears for you yeah. right now yeah, yeah. well yeah i mean it's also true for all of us in our own life experience that's that's no doubt a, a time when life changed whether we're male or female i do tend to work mostly with the boys but not exclusively but yeah for me for me, when I was that age, I just, I just simply didn't get the world. I just didn't get like who had created this world, why it was the way it was. I was very successful as a student. I could do everything. I was a musician. I was sporting. I was, you know, well liked. I was academic. You know, and the the point of that is not to like just blow my own trumpet. It's really just to go like, wow, why the confusion? You know, why the confusion and why the sense of uh, I wasn't demotivated, but I I just think I needed to hear like a different a different message from someone from somewhere. My my parents are incredible, always have been. Our family life's always been very happy, but. Uh, yeah, there, there wasn't anyone in the picture there for me. No, no godparent, no community member, no one that I really thought like, wow, that's what I'm talking about. You know, that, that, that met my life experience to that point. Yeah, with a sense of kind of truth value. So yeah, you, you very kindly in your introduction talked about truth bombs. And I, I do feel like I've considered life a great deal. I did 15 years of singer-songwriting, which was very lyrical, so I was really interested in wisdom in my writing. I wanted to sing and share those kind of songs, you know, the kind of songs that make you go like, wow, like there's, there's another human being that gets my reality, you know? Yeah, it sounds, sounds like when, you're, when you hit that, that age range, you know, I mean, for, for a lot of life, it's kind of, we're just following a, a path that's kind of already set out for us, right? Like school one, there's a lot of structure, there's a lot of just kind of plug yourself in and you just have to, you know, do the things that you're asked to do and, and, and you do fine. And it sounds like at some point during that, that time, you started to think a little bit more about, well, what do I really want? Or, you know, what is this all about? That was kind of that, that shift. And then it sounds like you found uh, an outlet through, through music and, and writing to start to explore some of those things. Yeah, I mean, that was my reaction to the working world. I had so many, so much passion and interest in life, but I, I couldn't see where, after university, where that went. What did that go into? Like, what that, it didn't seem obvious to me at all that I would go into some institution and surrender my uh, freedoms to, to be there the whole time. You know, I couldn't see the industry for me. So, you know, my friends went off into media, law finance, they went off, all went off into their chosen industries. And, you know, they're all very happy in those industries. It wasn't like that for me. I just was like, well, what am I going to do with this? 
So um, I remember very clearly a friend of mine, I studied in Edinburgh University, I did a psychology degree, still very interested in, in the mind, you know, although that, that degree was never, I was never going to go into psychology either. But I remember a friend of mine walking along Princess Street in Edinburgh with me, and she just said, it was just a conversation that for some reason, as, as she remembers it as well, I know I caught up with her a while ago, and she said, she remembered this conversation, she said, she's like, Henry, you know, what are you going to do after university? Like, what's it going to be? What, what's it going to be like? What are you going to go into? And I, I just went, you know, I'm going to leave university and I'm going to enter the working world and it's, it's going to be like this. And I just held up my fist like I was being cuffed. Wow. <laughs> like such an extreme thing to say. An exciting future to look forward to. <laughs> but, you know, it really yeah. did feel wow. like that for me. It's just like, wow, what am I supposed to do with it? For some reason, I just didn't know. And, it, you know, to be more positive about it, I, I, I do think that's a feature for many adolescents, many teenagers that it's not clear how this education system serves us up for a happy, healthy working life. So the confusion for me started there. 23, I'd done all the studies, I'd done everything pretty well, but um, had no answers whatsoever for how to apply them into the working world. And of course, I see so many great opportunities in the working world, but you know, for each individual person, that's different. It's different, like what yeah. your own passions want to lead you into. So you know, to me, in a way that flags up self-direction. So one of my big passions in education is for students to be self-directing their own learning and their own lives, like early. You know, I think when you're a teenager, when you're a teenager, that's the kind of freedom you want to be self-leading. And in our education system, we are not doing that. We're not asking that of our kids conventionally, the, ma the mainstream. You're told what to do. And you, you have a certain amount, you've got to get the grades, otherwise you won't get a job and all that kind of stuff that we all know, you know, older generation, but it's still pretty much the same now, unless you've really innovated with the choice of your child's education. So um, I'd love for you to hear a bit more about, so you, know, you had sort of this realization that, you know, the, the typical type of, of work life wasn't for you. How, how did you wrestle through that and then find, you know, ultimately find the path that you're on now? Well, I, you know, writing songs was a way of being an independent observer. You know, it, it enabled me, it bought me some time to be able to write about the world and to try and find like what it is I wanted. To, I felt like there was some major truths out there that I wanted to expose, find for myself and share with others. So I tried that through song. And then, of course, when I met someone when I was, yeah, 23, I was about to get a job in a call center. I just needed some money, you know, <laughs> as many right. musicians. Most musicians <laughs> and I met a friend at a party and he just went, oh, I'm, I'm tutoring and I'm teaching, uh, I'm teaching kids and it's 25 pounds an hour. So, you know, I live in the UK. I, I'm English, obviously. Um, you know, the, the other kind of jobs available to me were like seven pounds an hour, you know, waiting tables, the typical kind of things. So I was like, wow. 25 pounds an hour. One, that's a much quicker way of me making the money I need than I can get back to the music. Two, like teaching. Awesome. Like that's a lovely way to make much better money than working in a cafe. So, um, yeah, that, that, those 15 years were, I was the same, 15 years of writing songs, 15 years of teaching. And so the teaching was always there and it just, grew and grew. You know, I, I had it initially as just a quick, skillful money earner, but very quickly, it was obvious to me that there was a, a lifelong passion there. And then about five or six years ago, 
my interest in music just completely fell away. I mean, it was not not just because it wasn't paying the bills very well, <laughs> um, but it, it was also just suddenly like all of my heart passion went into considering education and knowing that that is an inexhaustible life work as it is studying parenting. You know, I help, I kind of coach parents a bit now in an informal way and in a formal way. You know, it's a, it's a, these are profound and complex roles, <laughs> parents, parents, educator. And so I, that's my lifelong fascination. I know that for sure now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find it fascinating how so often in life things just show up at the right time, you know, like getting the, the invite to, to get in at a time when you really weren't sure where to go. And obviously you need some, some cash flow as well, which, which it provided, but just kind of created that, that doorway, that opportunity for you. And I'm curious as you got into that more and you started to realize, Hey, there's, there's, there's more to this than just, you know, paying the bills. Was there, um, was there a particular moment or an experience with a particular student or just a series of things that made you feel like, yeah, you know, this, this is my mission. This is, this mm. is and, and I'm good at it. Like this, like I can serve people doing this. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest moments came quite recently, like, cause I was, I was writing song, I was hell bent on a music career for all of those 15 years whilst I've been teaching. So, um, like I say, the love for teaching was, I, I just wasn't focused on it. So I, I almost kind of overlooked that sometimes, even though I loved to get away from the endlessly abstract world of music and teach someone trigonometry. That was a relief for me to just go, <laughs> right, you don't know it now. In an hour, you will know it, and then you'll pay me. Like, that was a relief. Um, Something really tangible, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um, other, other moments, the most significant moments have come in the last five years when I've really, really been looking at it. Like, what is it? Like, how come I'm still doing this for a start? I did not expect to still be working in a kind of one-to-one -one tutoring, mentoring, coaching capacity now. Every single year of my music career, I presumed I'd be off-world touring the next year. So it was a very short-term sort of, and now here I am. Wow, still education. And it's still, the fire really is raging for that. So um, the big leaps were into into freedom, into a form of freedom in my work. So one was just realizing that I couldn't get the results that I wanted to get with the teenagers I was working with unless they were themselves taking responsibility for their learning. So I couldn't just be employed by parents and then do the, get the results I wanted. Like the parents might want it. Of course they do. They want great improvement and whatever. They might also want well-being for their kid, which is more kind of where I am now, but both together. But if the young person was, if it was just an extension of our current system, which tutoring definitely can be, then, you know, we would get the same pretty dismal results. We would do the hour of work, but the kid would be wanting it over as soon as possible. And so I, I, I brought in a level of just being totally overt with the parents about that, that I'm, I'm not doing it unless he or she is interested to really join me in that relationship. And unless I can start to really get them self-directing, so you know, I might work with them for an hour. I hope they do three or four hours that week off their own bat because we're getting into the subject. I'm rekindling their genuine wish to be studying, to be engaged with it, to bring the book they're reading to life if it's English literature or something. So yeah, that, that was a big moment of just like, okay, I'm not, I'm not just going to be I, like, I've got to step into that quite brave proposition 
of like, let's be sure that you, the 14 or 15 year old, wants to be here in the first place. And I, I'm good at getting that openness out of them. So it's not like many of them come. Yeah, well, they don't, not many have come and gone, yeah, no, I'm not actually really up for it. Usually they're met by a real breath of fresh air. Like I, I'm, I'm not who they're expecting. I, I tell them pretty openly that I would never be a school teacher and all the reasons why, if they're having a difficult relationship with schooling, because I, I know what they're going through there and what's what I think's wrong with that. So that I meet them with what I want for them. I meet them with freedom, openness, openness to their opinions. You know, sometimes I feel like the first person in their life who's asked them, like, what do you actually want? What do you want to do? Do you want to carry on with this? Do you want to leave school? Like, let's open it right up. Like, you know, let's go with all all the possibilities. And for many of them, they don't want to leave school. They don't want to go out there on their own. They don't want to home educate. Some do, and they need to if they're in that situation, if they're strong enough to do that. So we open it right out, and they, they, they are wowed by that. If they're open to it in the first place, they're wowed by the freedom, the ease, the relaxation. I put much more emphasis on relaxation than I do on struggle. And that is completely, that's like counterculture right now. It feels like. like yeah, let's, yeah, I'd love to dive in a little bit more because I'd love to understand a bit more what you mean by, by relaxation. Yeah, open that up for mm -hmm. us. Yeah, I mean, that's something that comes from just, again, my own life experience and, you know, my own practice in life. I think I spent, yeah, I spent the first 35 years of my life with that kind of industrial mindset. Even as a musician, there was a lot of emphasis on struggle. Um, you know, like working very hard, even though I could do whatever I wanted with my freelance, uh, self-employed lifestyle, I've always been very hard working like that. And, you know, in the end, come 35, there was quite a bit of burnout from that. So, you know, that was also an epiphany. And I, I met a teaching, a specific teaching. I'm a Zogchen practitioner, and it is a very simple teaching, uh, based on prioritizing relaxation in every moment. So it's meditation on the move. Um, so, you know, I, that's something I do privately. I don't speak Zogchen with my students or their parents unless they ask, but it's had a profound impact on how I work, you know, and I've seen in my own life, the best results come from relaxation. Even if you're running a marathon, you know, like any coach will tell you, athletics coach, there's an element of relaxation in like really powerful running as well. So, you know, it's not a speciality of mine. I just know that from books. And in my own experience, yeah, that's, you know, that's where I want to, that's where I want to place the emphasis. I teach essay writing technique. I don't think you can write good essays until you know how to sit down and think peacefully and openly and powerfully for five minutes. I don't, I, you haven't got anything to say until you've done that. So again, for me, many students don't have that capacity in this day and age. There isn't a great emphasis. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just about getting it done. That's not necessarily how, how to get it done or just more than mechanics. So I'm kind of curious then, I mean, I, again, being a, a parent of three kids who all different on different paths as far as education goes, I often have this desire, I guess, for some, perhaps some deeper, more creative thinking at times, right? Because it's so easy to just get drawn into this or that. So how do you start to nurture that in, in the students that you work with so that it becomes, you know, the profound change that you've experienced in your own life? Yeah, I mean, well, with the atmosphere. So the atmosphere of every single session I ever do is like that. It's the hallmarks are freedom, enjoyment, ease, relaxation. You know, we're focused. We're not just sitting there and chilling out and doing nothing. 
there's there's a practical vehicle as well and inevitably that comes up if we're not really doing much then that's a question for both of us you know we're entering into a relationship where i'm not going to bring out the books and slap them down and just say that's what we're doing with our time but in the end some sort of self-direction or self-leadership has to come in to the sessions. So the student often brings that. We, we often end up just, they, they, they bring me what they actually mm-hmm. do want to do. But, you know, I, I think children are, I think they're like busting to think in that way, to use their minds in that way, to enter that kind of space. They're not used to it because culturally... And in most of our institutions, it's much more hectic than that. So I feel like that's the power. that is the power of a one-to-one relationship. I'm online, so there's no one else interfering. We're, we're, we're both in our nice, relaxed spaces. I'm in my room here, and they're in their room there. And we can really create that atmosphere that they can get used to, to then be able to, for example, plan an essay and also tackle a maths problem, you know, like that's what I think students need. When they read a maths question, they don't get mm. it, first of all. This is so typical. You've got to have the composure then to just not worry about that, read it again. And the more relaxed you are, the more used you are to working in a relaxed way without the pressures, without trying to be the quickest in the class, which again is like insane to teach people to learn like that. You know, it just breeds so many problems, but, um, you know, the better. So they, they practice it just with me. That Our sessions, the hallmark of them is relaxed. So it's, it's not a coaching program beyond just my role modeling of that. So it sounds kind of like when you're in a session, then you're kind of modeling what you want them to do or, or you know, having them, if it gets struggling, then taking that breath or, you know, thinking through it and without the pressure and whatnot. So they start, start to rewire themselves in a little way in, in some ways. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think the most powerful coaching programs are getting you to recognize in your own experience, like what's working for you. So it's not someone telling you a load of stuff that's worked for them. When you start to actually see the results in yourself of relaxing with an intense essay question, I remember being terrified of essay questions, you know, the blank page, and especially in an exam. So again, it's part of my own life journey has, I remember that. I remember that sense of kind of mad panic and fear around the pressure of work, schoolwork. And so I really want to relieve teenagers of that. It's an illusion because there's nothing to worry about. There's not even that exam to worry about, in my opinion. I feel like for my students, we get our results every single time we work together. You know, like really deep confidence building, enjoyable studying. Those are results. Like, and then the exam comes and whatever happens, happens. But, you know, some kids can't even go into the exam because of paralysis. You know, because Yeah, and so as you're talking, I'm thinking about the things we as parents can do to exacerbate that problem, right? You know, I can think about, you know, pretty typical scenarios where, you know, students, you know, their son or daughter is not doing their homework or whatever, or just that constant pressure to, to, to complete things, to keep moving along, which, you know, talking to you now, it sounds more like a hindrance than a, than a help. What, what, can, what would you suggest that parents do less of and, and do more of to help, help their kids be more successful in, in school and life, really? Very good question. I mean, I, I feel like parents should do a lot less generally. <laughs> like, in, in some ways, I, summar- I summarize my place in the market. 
um, you start know, by having the parents relax more really right for sure for sure definitely and in my role now I, I i have a monthly call with the parents that come into my program so my program's a three-month program for the teenager every month i meet the parents and i'm not hiding away from the fact that i want to coach them too so they after a month i'll tell them where i think they're interfering but um in answer to your original question yeah i do think parents just should relax more i feel like we over parent and we over school and so if you're get you know if you're getting great results you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast so if if you're not getting great results your teenager is struggling for motivation and you feel like you're getting in the way. Many parents know this. We just don't know how to kick the habit. And we feel like we're responsible in some ways for upholding each day's homework commitment or each day's, you know, it's, it's moment by moment when really you want to take the long view. Like, what do we want for our children? I want for them like good decision making, like lifelong training in uh, knowing how to make good decisions. And I, w- I want for them, I want for everyone in the family at that point to have an easier time of it. You know, when the parents do less, the kids, the kids tend to do more. You know, if you, le- if you manage to leave them alone, then, you know, more often than not, they step forward with their own plan. You know, you leave a bit of a vacuum for them to be able to exhibit their own self-leadership. So what parents do too much of? Nagging, micromanaging. Generally, micromanaging covers it. All right, there we go. Let's let's get the let's get down to the goods here. Yeah, <laughs> nagging, micromanaging. I would add in, and this is probably from my own experience. I can often focus more on the what's not working than what is working. You yeah. know, like because I've got, I'm like totally guilty as charged. Like I, I have certain expectations or standards or you know what I want for them more than they probably want it for themselves. I can focus on what they're not doing a lot more than what they are doing. And, mm-hmm. and, and that in and of itself is, is a demotivator. And I've, you know, I still catch myself, but there's, there's, I've noticed when I do step back, right. And I just, I let go of the outcome and I just let it evolve. Maybe it doesn't happen in the two weeks that I'm thinking, but it happens in the two months, right? Like, you know, my son Graham wanted to launch a business back in September and I was like, great. All right. So we started setting these goals and, you know, playing out these things and, you know, it, it's, it took about two and a half months, but now he's just, as of yesterday, has his first you know, paying client besides mentor, uh, dad, who he edits for, <laughs> you know, but it's when I started to let go of like, like, you know, we could have a client by end of September, right? Like when I, when I just let that evolve, he took on more, right. And he made it his own. And that was a really valuable lesson for me because I could see how every time I express something dissatisfactory, it's not building him up. It's not, not helping him achieve his goal. At the end, it's just creating more barriers. And that, that's been humbling. And, and also a challenge for me to, yeah, just let him evolve in the way that he needs to. Mm. Humbling is a great word. And I think actually when you're a parent, by the time your kids are teenage, that's a great quality to start exploring. More humility. And it's, it, it is a releasing of the control, a releasing of that cozy arrangement you might have had when they were younger, including intimacy, just generally being closer in all ways. Um, you know, once they're teenage, um, humility is a great road to explore for a parent, just to be much more on an even keel. You've got to be open to hear how they want to run their own lives um, without flying off about it. And, you know, so communication is is also a really key one. 
I love your example as well with Graham, because there's many ways in which you can kind of screw that up as a parent as well. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like this. yeah, you know, and, and of course, we're not here to like parenting, like, you know, we, we should have a sort of inner reverence just for the fact of the role. It's so intense and so, so like so, so challenging. So it's not it's not to it's not to kind of um, give us another rod for our backs, but you know when when a kid starts an exciting project or they have a passion that we're excited about, you know that speaking with someone yesterday, he's a trampolinist. You know he can do this, he can do that, and now he's losing interest in all of it. What do you do? You know, so I think you, you know you have to give a lot of space there, a lot of space specifically to Graham. Sounds like you are, you know, where you might have tons of ideas you definitely will knowing your background jerry you're going to know loads of things about how he could do it better but what sort of learning do you want him to what do you actually want him to get out of it you know there's so many lessons along the way if you let him get a few things wrong that's going to teach him more right (laughs) yeah absolutely wow yeah this is really insightful i feel like i'm getting a private lesson here which is really great (laughs) yeah a couple other questions are coming to mind i think a lot of parents be curious about too so one is I'm, I'm finding, especially in this, in this age, there's, there's a lot less and less interest actually in, in communication, right? Even with Graham, who I've had a very close relationship for a really long time. Yeah. Both like just, just general communication about things. And, you know, I say a lot, a lot, a lot of times just really not interested in like learning from from me like i feel like like as you point out like i've got a lot of knowledge around entrepreneurship it's really i don't know it's almost like there's a it feels like a to me it feels like a closed mind right not willing to explore or, or hear different things or whatever so I'm, I'm sure there's other parents out there who are dealing with those kinds of things how would you approach that what would you offer that is part of the road to humility right as well like in a way like you want you want to contribute so badly you know you know in a way this is a typical conundrum for adults just we feel like we've got so many suggestions and so many answers for all of their problems but one really amazing thing that a mentor of mine taught me was that with anyone and it's definitely true with children as well of any age you know, it helps first of all, before we give advice and before we steer and before we teach to ask the person, like, do they want our advice? You know, do they, can I give you a suggestion about that? Or like, would you like to hear some of my experience around that? You know, when they bring something up and very few of us do that. We're very quick as parents and as adults to just immediately kick into all of our suggestions and solutions for them. And so, of course, we then produce children who are pretty jaded of that, you know. They don't want to hear from us because they want to, especially teenager, you know, like it's not, it's, it's maybe, it's not something to take personally as well. This is kind of why it's, it's humbling, but it's, it's not personal. Teenagers generally, maybe especially when you've been very close and loving, like it sounds you are with, with him. They want to, they're looking elsewhere. They want new influences. So that, that's the kind of love we can give our teenagers when they're at that stage. Give them space, give them freedom, give them time. There are other ways to be supportive without being the teacher and directly being there. And, you know, in a way, there's a lot of love in just cutting them loose in that way, letting them have their time in their room, letting them not show up so much every meal of the day or whatever it might be, you know. 
and they, they'll respect that, but you're there for them when they need it. And you're asking them when they don't come to you for help, you know, like, would you like any help rather than just laying it all on? Because like you say, they, they don't often want to know. And you can tell you're sort of wasting your time and getting, yeah. get, getting the opposite results when you do that. <laughs> yeah, I, my sense here, and, and I wonder if other parents can, can relate to is, like because I, I do, I, I will quite often make that invitation and then we'll agree to do something. But then when we try to then explore something, I feel like there's really no interest that's showing up there, right? Or there's re- tons of resistance. So I'm like, well, so why did you say yes? But at the same time, what you're saying, like, I mean, Graham joined Galileo earlier this year, which is a self-directed school. And he's got all these other now people that are, you know, he's been homeschooled his whole life. And so it's been somewhat you know, isolated in terms of the types of mentors and people he's had. So it's been really refreshing and, and exciting to see how he's really developed with that. And so I've been thinking for myself, even though I've got a lot of entrepreneurship background, maybe another entrepreneur would be just better for him right now, right? To be a mentor. Like I've got even someone in mind that I interviewed on this podcast a short while ago that, you know, I think, you know, maybe he might be a good person to, to speak into the Graham's life if Graham's open to that, right? Maybe it's, it's despite what I might know, I, I'm not the right channel for him to you know get that kind of support and information right now and and uh, and i'm okay with that well that's great i mean and it sounds really perfect the way you're thinking at least according to what i believe you know i think in this modern especially in the western world we we've drifted so far from the african proverb about taking a village to raise a child now it's like the opposite. We live in isolation and our kids don't have many adults in their lives that are on that journey with them. So, you know, there's a real, like, there's a real lack there. So I think looking for mentorship, I, I offer myself as a mentor for exactly that reason. That's what I want to bring. I don't want just a tutoring relationship. I want to be like an older guy that they really relate to, that they, that I want to be the godfather they don't have. I can also teach the maths and English, but, you know, I think looking for mentors for Graham, or of course, this is for all parents, we're just, you're being very open about your family. So it's great. It's, it gives me a real vehicle to speak to the topic for everyone. But yeah, we, we want to build a village for our teenagers. That's one way of setting them free is to give them to others, you know, and, and you can have a role there to find those others for them. And also they might want to find their own. You know, I know many teenagers I've taught and they've met their, they've met mentors everywhere. You know, when once a teenager's open to that, and that in itself is a great blessing when they are, they find them down the gym, they find them in the boxing club, they find them music music teachers become also mentors, someone who runs a cafe, employs them to wait tables and you know, mentors are kind of everywhere. And mentors, those kinds of people can't resist. They can't like <laughs> You know, they just they just grab they'll grab that boy and just go, come on, like I, they can see the opportunity. And it's it's one of the most nourishing things you can do with your life. I can testify to that. That's what I do. That's what I it's so many people love to do that. And so if you can find that sort of, you know, if there's any way you can help with that as a parent, great. But it can also be that it needs to come from the child to find their own mentors. But definitely give them away when it's safe to do so as much as possible. Yeah, no, it's, I really appreciate that, Henry. And, and you, I'm, I'm just, I'm smiling because, uh, you know, th- this, this new client that he's got is actually someone who uh, reached out to him 
specifically because he's a young entrepreneur and specifically wants to help him succeed. And I'm just realizing didn't dawn on me until right now that like this guy's a, a producer of podcasts. He's got over a dozen podcasts and, and whatnot. And, and I could totally, you know, this is probably going to be another mentor for him in some way. Cause he, he's actually, he said how he wants to help Graham succeed in his business. So I probably just figured out, realized dawned on me. Yeah. Here's, here's this entrepreneur mentor, right? Staring me in the face. And as an add on to that, I just feel like with our system, there is something really missing there about 12 year olds, 13 year olds, 14 year olds, and up starting to work. Like, what's going on there? I don't get it personally. I understand the safeguarding element, of course, but for everyone to not have any sort of brushing of shoulders with the workplace, I think when they're that age, my daughter's eight, I could see her working now. She's, she's ready to go. You know, <laughs> Of course, she's studying. She wants to do that. I don't want her to start earning, you know, money now. And so there's timing for all this kind of stuff. But I think it's a real missed opportunity in the world that we're we're holding our young people back from responsibility. Ultimately, work is like responsibility. There isn't any responsibility apart from a load of stuff they they often don't want, a load of grades they've got to get. So I, I also would really encourage that. So this is incredible. If Graham can get like work, working responsibility and mentorship, he may be even paid for it. That's awesome. Yeah, win, win. yeah. yeah. absolutely. I think entrepreneurship is, is probably one of the best ways to be educated in life. Mm -hmm. So many valuable lessons. So yeah, we've heard a lot of, a lot of ground here, Henry. I, I guess I want to kind of bring things back to parents out there. So we've talked about, you know, importance of, of, letting go ourselves, right? Of, of relaxing more, the value of, of, of mentorship, of developing a humility as well, just, just to, to let go of some of our, our ego and our, and our knowledge. What, what else would you suggest that, um, back to your keys to success, you talked about you know, account accountability, communication, you know, love, trust. I guess I'm, I'm just curious what else you might offer to, to parents out there. Yeah, I mean, I would say more. I mean, I can endlessly talk on those words like trust, just to open that up a little bit more. Trust means like trusting that your children know what they need and want and what they what, what they're good at, what to do from from birth. I mean, I, I believe that babies are born, you know, they they know how to learn for a start. You know, I, I believe in like a really deep trust that we don't need to kind of control them in that sort of way. We don't have to do it for them. So it's trusting really their own self-direction. So like um, being able to just and, and releasing that sense of like us needing to kind of guide them there or us knowing that we know what's best for them, even if we do. And of course, we're parents and we've got such a keen insight into like what's amazing about our children and what we love about them and what, and what makes them happy. We want them to get there themselves. Otherwise, we get in the way. That's one extra thing to say about trust. And, and communication also is one I'd like to say a little bit more on. Just keeping that light, those lines of communication open with your child around all topics, you know, and it comes in with openness, being able to hear like, well, what is the, what, what is the issue with you're kicking against or what is, the, what is it that you see there? Like, what's your opinion? That's the, that's the tide change. That's the sea change that I think parents need to embrace. It's like, okay, we're not in a top-down, me parenting, you're the child situation anymore. 
We've got to open up their self-leadership. What do they see? And definitely around the other topics we haven't covered, which is not really, they're not specialities of mine, but sex, drugs, those kind of like danger, danger topics for teenagers. Again, you want as, a, as the key safeguard, like communication between you all. I, I am always so heartened to hear from parents whose kids talk to them about everything. That's the dream. And so if, if your kids don't, don't worry about it. But you can always grow that. You can always grow that by just looking for skillful ways to show them. First of all, you've got to show them that you're prepared to actually hear the truth. You've got to hear the truth about what they're doing and what they're thinking. Yeah. So if that trust isn't there, right? Or if, if it's been hard to let go, well, how, does, how does one navigate that as a parent? If, so yeah, like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm listening to you. I'm like, yeah. I want to have those conversations. I want that, that openness, but for some reason it just, it seems mm. elusive. So, I mean, just, just as a, yeah. as a, I'm not saying for me personally, but in a lot of ways, yeah, I'd, I would like to have deeper conversations, but it, it feels like the interest or the willingness isn't there. And I'm wondering like what, what I can do or other, you know, as, as we, as parents, what can we do to, to, to create the right environment for, for it to emerge? I'm sure you're not the only one, and I'm sure by the time my kids are teenage, I'll be in that camp as well in many ways. So, you know, it's, it's an aspiration and it's an ideal. It's just something I feel like we should always be emphasizing and looking for. But as we talked about with mentorship, you know, there's an option there for them to find other people. It's not all got to go through the parents. That's not our role anymore. They're, they're stepping out into the world. So you can delegate that. And also you can just work like day to day, week to week to open that up, that possibility. You know, you, you'll know the areas where you specifically, I'll know the areas where I specifically have a role with my child. And in some areas, we've just got to say it's not us. It's not us to do that conversation. The openness isn't there. It's going to be really contrived and like <laughs> weird to push it in that direction. So, you know, we've got to be just restful and real about that as well. We are all the culmination of all of our experiences together to date. So, you know, you're in a complex relationship that's been going 14 to 16 years. So we're all in the position we're in. And so we can't all just snap into that ideal of instant communication and love and harmony and deep conversations. And maybe it's never to be, but definitely, you know, we, we, we just give it our all to show up wherever we can. And otherwise, there are other people that, that, that they can find to have that sort of navigation from is that a satisfactory answer to your question probably not <laughs> i was i was kind of hoping you knew of like a, a skill or something like <laughs> I, could, I could take right <laughs> when i find one, jerry yeah <laughs> uh henry just for 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 parents out there what what are what are some of the specific things you you offer right now that they could take advantage of and or where could they sure you know reach reach out to you to to get more uh you know, just to have a conversation or, or you know learn more from you. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a one-to-one mentor. So I, I mentor teenagers online. So I'm available. So long as I'm awake, I'm available worldwide. Um, that can all be found um, at my website, henrydingle.com. So you can look into that, the mentorship program. I offer the Young Fire Facebook group for parents. So that's on, on Facebook, obviously. Just search for Young Fire. That's just a, a beautiful group where we just endlessly go deeper into these topics of trust, love, openness, communication, and respect. And it is tied to education. So my, my, my interest in that is not as a parenting coach. It's looking at like, why are our kids not motivated? Why are they 
why do we feel like we haven't empowered their education um, enough and how, how can we provide for them as parents in that way? I'm also on YouTube. There's a masterclass up there called How to Motivate Teenagers, which is free. A half hour masterclass there. So you could follow up with that and many more things to come. But they will all, all the group sessions I'm offering in the new year, they'll all be through the Facebook group. And, you know, giving, giving me your email address is a good start as well. And so you can do that through the website or the Young Fire Facebook group in the sign up. And then I'll, I'll let you know everything that's coming in 2021 and beyond. Fantastic. And, and for everyone listening, we'll, we'll have those in the show notes as well. So you can just tap on those and I'll take you right to the, the Facebook group or to your website. But Henry, it's, it's been a real joy, a real pleasure to chat with you today. I, I really admire and appreciate, honestly, all you're doing to inspire you know, the next generation and, and help them to be their best selves and, and really take on the challenges in the world that, that need addressing. So thank you so much for, for what you do. Thank you so much, Jerry, and to you too. Thanks for all you're doing just with the, the podcast and just generally your, um, your own impact on uh, alternative education and driving that kind of change forwards. Yeah, I'm really pleased to have met you through our mutual buddy and been really fun to do the podcast. Yeah, thanks for a great show.